Before we get to the show, brief announcement. Our new book, Death by Umbrella, The Hundred Weirdest Horror Movie Weapons, is out. It's great, but don't take our word for it. Bookgasm said it was fun and funny, lovingly written with verve for the viscera. Couldn't have said it any better ourselves. We're flattered. Anyway, help support the show by picking up a copy. Thanks a lot. Top of the news this evening is speculation concerning the real facts behind the Department of Health announcement about a radioactive spill supposed to have occurred yesterday at the state nuclear plant. You know what you're thinking. Mine's bigger than yours, right? It's not fair. Throw it away. All right? Tons of popcorn there. Yeah. And all you gotta do is go climb a tree to go eat it. <laughs> it was a night like any other night. Then something happened. Oh, good lord. It's. It's unbelievable. It's. It's horrible. Welcome to the Really Awful Movies Podcast, a celebration of low-budget cinema. The sleep of reason gives birth to monsters. Hi, my name's Chris, and along with Jeff, we're bringing you the very best and worst of horror, sci-fi, post-apocalyptic wasteland, kung fu, and women in prison movies from the 1960s to today. Check us out at reallyawfulmovies.com, part of the Crypt TV family. ad nauseum it gets a little bit uh, ridiculous i would say yeah the recurring motif through dangerous minds or no dangerous sorry, men, dangerous men. <laughs> oh, God. michelle pfeiffer we hardly knew you michelle uh, pfeiffer dangerous minds oh yes i thought they thought about beautiful <laughs> mind. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, this movie has turned our minds to mush. Therefore, this is, this is true. Yeah. Um, this is the brainchild, uh, speaking of beautiful minds, of John S. Rad. Yes. Uh, this would be Iranian director John S. Rad, a.k.a. Forgive my pronunciation. Yahangir Salehi Yeginrad. Sounds good to me. Yeah, and Mr. Rad, this man came to America with like all dream. immigrants mm-hmm. with a dream. Yeah. And in 1979, he began production on this movie, Dangerous Men, only to see it completed and released in 2005, 26 years later. And it's recently been released for the world to enjoy. Yeah. In Pristine Blu-ray, courtesy of Alamo Draft House. I gotta thank Clint Wheeler from MVD Entertainment for providing us with this copy to uh, to watch, to enjoy, to discuss. And yeah, man, Dangerous Man. This is up there. This is one of those like so bad. It's I don't know what to say. Twenty six years in the making for this <laughs> this thing. This is this is like you know from your Miami connections, your Samurai Cops, yeah. your Birdemics, your Rooms, Dangerous Man. Fits the bill quite nicely. Just just think what Def Leppard could do in 26 years. They could record maybe two albums. Just oh, think yeah. what, yeah, but, yeah, dangerous. Yeah, that was about the time for the after for the struggle Chinese democracy. <laughs> yes. That was 26 years, so yeah. Great art Take time. that, Axl Rose. Yeah, yeah this is true. <laughs> uh, where to begin? One of the few movies, along with Birdemic, that's arguably recorded worse than this very podcast. Again, ADR mixed with, uh, what, on-site sound mixed with... The sound of the surf, mm-hmm. uh, occasionally drowning out the actors, uh, which are occasionally drowned out by what we were previously listening to for at least yes, yep. ten to fifteen minutes. MOS with, with uh, yeah, live okay. sound with God knows what, lots of uh, you know the, the same synth motifs going through and through mm. and through, and that's just the 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 audio quality of this movie, but the visual qualities are even more egregious. But but beyond that, the the story. I mean, this is a movie that in eighty minutes. Manages to compact three separate story arcs to the point that at the end of the movie, you're left with three characters that you barely met at the beginning. <laughs> the, yeah, the you preceding know, 60 minutes. Yeah. It's, 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 it's yeah. beyond belief. I mean, this, okay, so when this movie begins, one thing that is hilarious is that every credit is John Rad. Mm-hmm. So we have written by John Rad, produced by John Rad, directed by John Rad. Music composed by John Rad. I almost expect to see craft services by yeah. John Rad. Yeah. Best boy, the grip and the gaffer yeah. and the exactly. candlestick so, maker. And that's it. It's just it's mm. all John Rad. So I mean <laughs> love it or hate it, this is this man's vision. And what a vision it is. Because after five minutes of that maddening synth riff. <laughs> what we expect to be a protagonist, but are they really a protagonist? Not really. In the world of Dangerous Man, anybody can be a protagonist, really. <laughs> This is true. Yeah. We had at least six or seven protagonists at any one, uh, one time. Right. We have these uh, brothers, Daniel and David. Daniel is a, is a cop, mm-hmm. and David is a... Uh, I don't know what he is. They don't really say. <laughs> and they look a lot alike to, they do. to they compound do. problems. Yeah. David is, uh, he's engaged to be married. He's got a lovely fiance by the name of Nina. 
And he goes to great pains to uh, ask um, Nina's father, who basically looks to be about the looks same. about ten years older than the couple, and he yeah, asks for his uh, permission for his daughter's hand in marriage. And th right. they look like all three of them are contemporaries. Right. And then we have this scene of Nina and David, and they're professing their love for each other, and every line <laughs> of dialogue is is overshadowed by this maddening like wind or static or what have you mm -hmm. again this was this was might have been i think what we were arguing about it is <laughs> obviously there's nothing else to pay attention to whether they were on a rooftop patio and whether the wind was cutting in and out or whether what was behind them was just uh green Lost. screen i, I, were, know, I, I don't know where they were so many questions so and hopefully many questions. we'll be able to address at least the bulk of them here but the the reality is that Again, this movie was a 26-year production. So, ultimately, when we see uh, when David asks for Nina's hand in marriage, they then take a leisurely drive down to the beach. And you can see on David's windshield uh, an oil chain sticker, which clearly has a date 1984 on it. Yes. 1984. Now, that's very important to remember that, because mm -hmm. later on we see a calendar in a quote-unquote police uh, station office with the year 1995. Yes. So, I mean, this movie, uh, it spans decades. Mm -hmm. It spans generations. It's unbelievable. It's, like I said... It's a sweeping epic. It's, it is a sweeping <laughs> epic. Forget the Godfather. Yeah, you know? Forget yeah. the, the Out of Africa, yeah. This, this, this is the dangerous... Forget man. the English patient. Yeah, this is your sweeping epic. Okay. The plot is very, very... Uh, all over the place. But let, let, I guess we can start to sort of extrapolate a little bit of this plot. So we have Nina and David, and they're on the beach, and they're having a lovely time. And there's these two bikers who actually look like bikers. Yeah. Give it to John Rad for hiring actually... Menacing. Menacing, yeah. ball-headed, tough. They look like... They, mm -hmm. Their tattoos are fake as shit. <laughs> but they look like bikers. And as soon as they see Nina, they're like, oh yeah, we want some of that. So, as Nina and David are frolicking on the beach, these bikers are hovering ever so... Menacingly, yeah, to, to pounce. And yeah. they make the arrangement that one will go after the guy, while the bald one will make it with the woman, and then the bald-headed guy charitably said he would switch so the other guy could have his sloppy seconds, or was it, as it were. So they're going to go attack these two. They go after them, mm -hmm. but this guy... This guy can handle himself. This being David. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't let his wimpy, uh, ridiculous exterior fool you and his shaved down completely sideburns. Looks oh, like yeah. he's going to get the better of these two guys, but... But, but, but you got to remember, though, as, as he's getting in his shots, the bald-headed goon is take, carrying off Nina like the creature from the Black Lagoon. <laughs> yeah. You know, King Kong, yeah. God knows what with her. And, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, raise her uh, to the other side of the beach. And it looks like he's going to maybe, yeah, prevail, mm -hmm. but then the bald-headed goon comes back... And, yes, he killed that one biker. The bald-headed goon proceeds to pull out a knife and stab poor David in the stomach. Yeah, so so much for our assumed protagonist well, at the so, beginning. Well, so much for the ballad of Nina and David. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's that. a short ditty, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, this leads to, I mean, the, the soundtrack for this movie is, is just completely hilarious. And, you know, we, have, we go from this Manning synth motif to, like, this, this saccharine number... Goodbye, yeah, my love. Yeah. Goodbye. Goodbye, yeah, my love. love. Yeah. 
Goodbye. Bye. It's like the surf coming in and out. Yeah. It's good. Well, that's half his lyrics. Yeah. That's the first song lyrics. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, so Nina, I mean, you would think that she would be distraught of the loss of her fiance. And she sort of is. But right away, he just goes up to the biker and says, I'm free. Mm -hmm. Let's go. Yeah. And they go to this motel. Yeah. The CD she, motel. Looks like it's LA Sunset Strip, perhaps. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And, um,. And yeah, so, yeah. She she tells the biker, "Jesus, you you did me a favor. I, I didn't. I would never cared for this nebbish. He was he was he was terrible, and you got me extricated me from this lousy situation. Uh -huh. So never never mind. They the fact, off. Never mind the fact that the biker's, as he says, only friend is now lying dead on the beach on of the beach, yeah. <laughs> Nina's fiance is lying down on the beach from stab wounds to his mm. stomach. They go off to this motel. Now, fortuitously for Nina. The biker's a bit hungry, mm -hmm. and he asks if they have a restaurant in the motel, and they do. So, they order some steak, and Nina, clever bitch as she is, <laughs> yeah. takes her steak and pretends, well, I mean, she does, you know, but purposely knocks it off the table. Next thing you know, the biker and Nina are in the room. And Nina has some very, very, very specific instructions vis-a-vis -vis their their forthcoming uh, lovemaking. Yes, very, knows. very specific. I am going to get undressed, and then you're going to lick my knees, and then my belly button, <laughs> and then you repeat it. First my knees, and then my belly button. Yeah. And as this uh, this 280 pound ball headed goon <laughs> is licking her belly button, the camera pans on Nina's buttocks, and clenched within is a steak knife, <laughs> which is dropped on the floor of the restaurant, which he then proceeds to take out and stab the ever loving shit out of this biker. Yeah, well, topless. An amazing yeah. scene. You, you can definitely say that that was unprecedented in cinema history. Unless you have some reference, you're going to pull out of your ass to encounter that. <laughs> but holy crap, I did not see that coming. And, well, the whole thing you cannot see coming as a set piece. Like, these two murdered their significant sort of others, although this one his friend and it's her lover. They both die at cross purposes there. They end up hooking up. She kills him. That whole sequence I did not see coming. Yeah. That was really quite baffling. I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. Now, the other thing about Nina, okay, so Nina is, um, next thing we know, she's running down some, like, deserted stretch of highway in some, what looks like a desert. Meanwhile, this motel was... Who knows where this was, yeah. urban area. Yeah. But what I was going to say is that, I mean, Nina, okay, I, I, you know, I'm not trying to disparage people's looks or anything like that. She's not terrible on the eyes, mm -hmm. but she's no perfect 10. No. But yet, every man in this movie... He's just completely smitten with her. Want, but not smitten with her. Every man wants to rape her. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. You know, sexual assault is nothing to be taken lightly. But when every man in this movie is, <laughs> is a rapist, I mean, there's something a little bit kind of uh, off-kilter about that. Mm. So before we know it, we have Nina trying to escape this motel, and she flags down a passing motorist who looks to be just a run-of-the-mill suited family man and he picks her up and nina ever so uh fatigued from her uh previous battle ordeal yeah yeah she yeah she falls asleep and this uh describe this man chris this man that picked her up oh geez he looks like the the greek patriarch from like days of our lives or something he's got one of these i don't know like a salty salty mustache and tussled hair he's a he's an old family man with a suit and tie and mm -hmm. but don't let that facade fool you. He's armed. Well, he's got a, he's got a gun in his car, and he looks at me, and he goes, 
Why should I pass up this opportunity? She's God's gift to a henpecked husband. Yeah. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden, there's yeah, a strange transition into what he's going to attempt to do to her. Yeah, yeah. They're pulled over. He's got his gun out. He's ready to sexually assault her. Mm -hmm. Nia is sort of crafty. Yeah, she's street smart. She says, Oh, well, before we get involved, why don't you take off your clothes? Mm -hmm. And put the gun away. That's not really. That's not really my scene. He doffs his clothes down to his tidy whities One of the numerous pair of tidy whities we see in this movie. She grabs a knife and grabs his cock. Yes. Yeah. And you could you could totally see her grabbing. Yeah. That yeah. All five and a half inches. Yeah. She's got that knife and she's got that. Yeah. Gun. And she then tells him to exit the car and doff his tidy whities Yes. And she drives off. Which leads us to this very inexplicable interlude with this man. <laughs> like, I, we have, no, we have yeah. no investment in him whatsoever. Yeah, and he, he has this monologue and, and a soliloquy about his, his predicament. Yeah. As he's running through the brush, naked, covering himself like Adam, and talking about, oh, his family and what's going to happen to him. What is he going to do? He sounds like Michael Palin from Monty Python, and you would never get this out of his character when we first meet him. You would never think he would be so goofy. Yeah. And why you would be so invested in a, a rapist for at least, I gotta say, seven or eight minutes as he's wandering through the, the <laughs> California brush, naked, trying to like flag down a motorist to get him help. Like, why? Why was this so protracted? What point did this serve? Why? What's the mm. significance? <laughs> I don't know. More germane to the plot is the fact that Nina is now taking it upon herself to become the sort of avenging angel. Mm -hmm. And she now wants, she's going to devote her life to ridding the world of, of all, all the men and of all and scumbags. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, she picks up a, a lady of the evening. And uh, they go back to another motel. Uh, the lady of the evening proceeds to doff her top. Nina says, hey, hey, what are you doing? Stop that, stop that. I just want to talk with you. I want to learn. I want to learn all about your business. I want to learn. Yeah, learn the lay of the land yeah. for, for laying customers and johns and right. uh, figure out what, what is up with her lifestyle because she wants to lure men to yeah, their indeed. demise. I mean, yeah. This could be like Avenging Angel. I mean, there's oh. actually a movie. There was a call that where, you know, okay. I, I haven't seen it, but from what I recall, it was a Cormany production where there was a young girl who was um, a student by day, prostitute by night, and she was out there trying to... Uh, Avenge, what have you. I don't know. I haven't seen the film. Uh, so, I mean, this film could have easily taken that detour where yeah. Nina is out there on the streets picking up Johns and dispatching of them. And she was doing a lot of that. But the movie then sort of shifts gear. We go from Nina, and I mean, you know, this is not going without uh, attention from the local police department. Yeah. Someone's out there, you know, murdering men willy nilly. And Nina's uh, erstwhile uh, brother-in-law, Daniel, who is on the force, is assigned to... This case, yeah. To this case. And he now... So now we're sort of like in the second act of Dangerous Man. And this is the story of Daniel trying to track down these bikers, Nina, and what have you. Now this takes him to a tough guy bar, which is populated by these bikers. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and, and the same uh, bald-headed goon is there. Yes. And the, uh, I guess the bartender is, is familiar with his clientele, and he tells him that these guys frequent this place with regularity, and tells him that the deceased's son is the kingpin of this particular gang, and 
has killed, as we wrote down yeah. both in our notes, more men than none. Yeah. And he goes by the moniker Black Pepper. Black Pepper. A very fitting moniker for, for example, somebody in a black exploitation movie. Yes, yes. Not for this character. <laughs> yeah, and because, we'll discuss that soon. <laughs> yes, right. So on the trail of Black Pepper. Yeah, and in the same bar, there's a, 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 a vixen who's by herself playing darts, mm -hmm. and sh every two-bit, third-rate member of the criminal element in this place is completely taken with her, one of whom more so than all the others, and that happens to be the bald guy whose partner was killed in that beach melee yeah he goes chases her out of the bar which, she makes her way to the beach which looks like the exact same beach yeah where his partner was killed all those years yeah, ago this is very true and all the, she goes from wearing some sort of like sundress to this sort of thong bikini yeah and he goes in grabs her yeah again, grabs her from the surf like the creature from the black lagoon and he uh attempts to rape her meanwhile david is in tow because mm -hmm. he's kept an eye on this guy he knows this guy's up to no good he follows him down to the beach pounces on him while he's attacking this woman twists his neck leaves him for dead and this is where we both wrote down this is just hilarious where they used beef footage of the vixen because she was in the surf and wet completely swimming and then the next moment her hair is completely dry and she's back in the sundress as if the first thing she did after being attacked was go through an instant hair dryer and put her put her sundress <laughs> right on and just stand there like just as a passive bystander watching him take yeah. out this guy and like crank his neck ostensibly you know you're watching this movie and you're thinking i mean again like this is this is a 26 year endeavor so things are changing all the time like yes film stock is changing <laughs> yes hairstyles are changing the lots models are changing. of cars are changing yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah it's and lots going on you're thinking okay well i mean you know, I'm invested in Nina. What's going to happen with Nina? Fuck Nina. Nina yeah, is like... Nina is never to be seen again. Because you know, <laughs> now we're under the story of George and Black Pepper. Where <laughs> Black Pepper fits into this, I have no idea. He's just another goon. Nor his uh, sister-in-law being out there being this sort of evangelical. He's just some... Some some weird motorcycle tough who now <laughs> becomes priority numero uno. Yes. Where David now has to go after Black Pepper. Yes. Um... Ultimately, finding himself at Black Pepper's compound. And I gotta say, before we talk about Black Pepper, let's talk a little bit about the sex scenes in this movie. Uh, the word that springs to mind is very unflattering. Okay. Uh, or, or the other tack would be that it celebrates different body types because <laughs> what it shows are women in various states of undress with scars, with cellulite, with guts. With veins, with everything, every imperfection. So take your pick, a little column A, a little from column right, B. Right. It's, yeah, not flattering to the female form and maybe. to the male form. Yeah. Just not appealing angles. Yeah. So so this now, all of a sudden, inexplicably, we're now in this whole like, pursuit of black pepper. Now, when I hear the name black pepper, I'm thinking like maybe some Isaac Hayes type character. Yeah, or Fred Williamson or something, right. yeah. This is not what we get in this movie. <laughs> no. no. Much melanin removed from that. Yeah. Indeed. It's, this guy's pretty much virtually an albino. He's yeah. like 98 pound doppelganger you know. of like, you know, uh, Tom Shaw from like Sticks or something. Yeah. You know? or, or, yeah. Or the singer from Poison or something for sure. Just, this is ridiculous. We, we both made the same joke earlier. It was like he should have been called White Pepper. Yeah. There's, I don't know how he came by this uh, nom de plume, but anyway, he is suddenly the chief antagonist when we have 
when he was only mentioned in passing, and then all of a sudden he's the key to everything. And why? We Never don't know. Never mind. The protagonist goes from Nina to David to this police chief who we barely meet. I mean, the guy, I mean, when this movie ends, okay? Yeah, it's like a Barney Miller kind of character. He just appears, and mm -hmm. he leads the entire investigation, although we have nothing invested in him. He and so when this movie ends, I mean, David is, is ostensibly taken out of Black Pepper, still alive, but he's, he's done for. Mm. And the movie ends with three characters who we have had absolutely nothing invested in for the entire movie <laughs> other than, you know, perfunctory, like, ridiculousness, and that being the police chief, Black Pepper, and a blind lady who was a seamstress. And an, an armed seamstress who, who, despite her physical impairment, is not a bad shot. She gets off a couple shots, I think, at Mr. Brett Michaels there, and barely misses him. And she's, she's pretty good, although... He gets the better of her, but just to save them in the nick of time is, is the chief. And then it cuts to credits, and it's mid-cuffing of this goon. And one arm is tied behind his back, and the other is mid-cuff. Her leg is one leg up on the seat, and it just ends. And there's nothing, and as he said, there's no... This woman is introduced like the one of the friends from Tommy Wiseau's The Room. She appears... Who is she? We don't know. We don't know what happens anymore with David. Right. Like, what What went on? We barely know what happened to Nina. If I can describe this movie in one word, besides motherfuckingly entertaining, is disjointed. This is a disjointed <laughs> film. And I mean, it stands to reason. When you're filming a movie over 26 years, you're going to have a little <laughs> bit of disjointedness. Um, kudos to John Rad for sticking with his vision for that long. Mm -hmm. and. Putting out, you know, this piece of celluloid, I mean, the one thing I, I did not mention, um, although I alluded to it earlier, is this one scene. One scene where Nina is, uh, after killing God knows how many people, is uh, ever so pensively singing on the beach. And there's a song on the soundtrack set to a sort of like Persian Farsi sort of beat. And the lyrics are, My love, splendor of the moment. And as this song is singing on the soundtrack, the, the lyrics in are written in yeah. the sand yeah. on the surf. And then the tide comes in, washes away the lyrics. She's holding a seashell. She flashes back to giving a gift to Daniel, to Daniel. Yeah. which was comprised of some seashells that she found. She made, made some hideous seashell art. This, it wouldn't pass muster in grade four art class. not even <laughs> outside of art. This thing was fucking... Idiots. Yeah, worse than any glued together macaroni from uh, yeah. elementary school. Yeah, this movie is is completely completely disjointed. It's it's completely off the rails. It every time you think you got a handle on it, you know where it's going. <laughs> it veers somewhere else, and, go, and you're yeah. like, okay, well now I'm watching a different movie. This is a, a three act film in eighty minutes. Yeah, it's quite quite spectacular for that reason. Yeah, and the the chief protagonist beaten and left for dead and never seen again and it's never questioned why that is and he shares screen time probably not altogether different with a family man rapist wandering through the california desert looking for uh, a good samaritan to help him out <laughs> like so he, he shares like and and the chief antagonist we only meet at the 60 minute mark who is only very tangentially related to most of the people here yeah. who has nothing to do with and, the demise of daniel right. and he becomes the macguffin after which the whole plot is 
follow up. Like, and, and for those 20 minutes that we do meet Black Pepper, we have to watch him <laughs> uh, enjoy a belly dancing demonstration. Yeah. Some really kind of hideous woman doing some belly dancing. <laughs> yeah. We get to watch him uh, in, in a sex scene. Yes. And John S. Rad has something to do. He's got some sort of knee fetish. Because every fucking sex scene... There's some sort of knee caressing in this movie. Yeah. So well, I mean, maybe maybe when the uh, Ayatollah came to power in Iran, uh, they cracked down on uh, skirts that went uh, past the above, above the, the knee. knee. I, and, uh, I guess, and I, I, I'm I only guessing. I, I can't get into the mind of John S. Rudd. No, nor can we ever, because unfortunately the poor man passed away in I believe 2013. Mm -hmm. So he failed to see his uh, nearly three decade five president encompassing uh, vision uh, come to screen well, and it, be successful it, it, it anyway did, yeah, yeah it did screen it did for screen like a for handful a of people LA, yeah mm -hmm. and urban legend goes that seven people paid to see that all of that's been debunked on the uh blurry extras where they said it was more like 70 people paid to see it but in a one week run a 22nd year labor law opus only 70 people paid to see it that's still sort of sad now I got, yeah, yeah. I got a fewer than two people per per year. Yeah, <laughs> I got. I mean, the reality is, I mean, this movie is incomprehensible. This movie is pretty amateurish, but at the same time, it's fucking entertaining. And I've got to commend the filmmakers of this world that uh, that are akin to John S. Rad. Those people that are so committed to their art, the hell or high water, they will do whatever it takes. Um, temporal distance be damned. Uh, budgetary limitations be damned, plot comprehensibility be damned. I mean, it, it's just there's something so unique about these these fringe filmmakers that just want to make what they think is going to be their grand statement, you know. And unfortunately, it's a shame that Jonas Rad is no longer with us because I would love to see what else this man is capable of doing. Mm -hmm. If he if he needed twenty six years to make this. Imagine what he could do in 56 years. That's exactly just, what yeah, I was going to yeah. say. Give him another 50 years, and God knows what the hell was going to come out of that. Dangerous Men 2. Even mm -hmm. more dangerous. Yeah. Um, ultimately, this movie, I mean, it's an utter failure on every level. But you know what? Objectively, yes, it is a failure. But in our books, it's pretty fun. Yeah, pretty it's pretty damn fun. So what did you learn from Dangerous Men, Chris? I learned that the uh, belly dancer... Uh, <laughs> It was credited in the uh, in the closing credits as Ruhi, and actually got billing in this thing. And and she, <laughs> we don't want to be uncharitable, unkind. She's bloody hideous to look at. And and Black Pepper was, I guess, doing this as a adjunct to his uh, romancing of his of his uh, girlfriend. His girlfriend. We were both remarking. She had forearms like a baseball slugger and again like this veins <laughs> popping out and the just I, I guess you got to credit those involved because it takes a certain amount of confidence to be exposed in in not flattering states it really does remind me of Greg Sistero's you know love interest in the room where her 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 jugular is throbbing in that red dress yeah, it really like is goiter, yeah. yeah and it's so unflattering and even in the first scene when Daniel is making love with his paramour there. Again, you see the cellulite and an unflattering shot up her skirt in the hotel room or where it was they were, I don't remember. It's unflattering in the extreme to everyone involved. And the men don't get off easy either because the 
they do not look sharp either. No one looks good in their tidy whities well, It's go, just man. really unpleasant to look at. There's lots of unpleasant nudity. Now you're stepping on what I learned. And what mm. I learned is that from the period of 1979 to 2005, nobody in the Los Angeles area had ever heard of boxer briefs. Yeah, yes. Boxer, just every, every would-be rapist in this movie is wearing a pair of tidy whities I mean... God damn, man. Like, Fruit of Loom was doing a gloomy <laughs> business because, I mean, it's all sure enough, yeah. tiny whiteies, man. Not one banana hammock either. Yeah, yeah just yeah. a very uniform uh, undergarments in this mm -hmm. film. My God. And, uh, yeah, another thing I learned is I was made queasy by several of the dolly, or maybe they didn't have a dolly. The, the, some of the tracking shots made me a little bit physically ill. So, but, again, labor of love. Lots of years went into this thing. Mm -hmm. Who could hire a line producer for three decades to follow <laughs> follow the various you know transgressions uh, that ended up on film yeah. it was impossible so good on them this thing is really interesting <laughs> can you imagine that though it's like okay i'm, I'm gonna make a film uh and I'd, I'd like you know i'd like your commitment i'd like to sign <laughs> and <laughs> i need you for the next three decades and can you are you going to be available for that period mm. of time uh, hey, I might be. Yeah, to see this through, and we both referenced Neil Breen and these people who have uh, something in mind, and they want to get it to mm. to they want to get their vision out there. And this is this is neat, neat stuff. And mm. we're going to go to our star rating now. Yeah. And I, I would say a solid three and a quarter, three for me, which is between three and five. Uh, honest recommendation. You have to see this thing. Yeah. Some really good fist flying too, and some strong chins, able to absorb countless uh, right and left crosses so some really good fight scenes some pretty good uh, pretty good soundtrack I gotta say although let's say a little overused but uh, a pretty good riff a little a combination of uh, George Clinton and Beastie Boys mm. a little bit some cool stuff well if only to see a, an, an emaciated albino uh, given the moniker Black Pepper mm -hmm. I mean this movie is worth at least three stars oh and, for sure and I a mean, steak knife uh, concealed in the buttocks is anything buttocks, yeah, yeah it's indeed. really amazing so I I mean objectively this we gotta you gotta look objectively as a movie I mean this thing is like a half a star yeah yeah but on a, on a Stuff you know, you've never seen before. Stuff that, you've that, never seen before. Stuff you maybe thought you'd never want to see. Mm -hmm. But you need to see. Yeah, I'm going to give us a three, three and a half. It doesn't quite have the joy of evil, like, let's say, Miami Connection. I mean, that, that yeah. movie is so infectious and incredible. Um, it doesn't it's, it doesn't quite reach the what the fuck of uh, Get Even, a.k.a. Road to Revenge. Those are your, you know, your four, four and a half star bad movies. Mm -hmm. But it's definitely worth seeing. And I'm going to give this one a solid three and a quarter stars. Yeah. So dangerous, man. It's uh, dangerous. Quite dangerous. Quite yeah. worthwhile. For more, check out uh, our uh, relatively non-dangerous website. Yes, it's a fairly uh, fairly innocuous www.reallyawfulmovies.com yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and follow us on Twitter, awful underscore movies, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.